today's guest is extraordinary. So I'm so excited that you've joined us. Let us know where you're joining us from. Just pop it in the chat and uh, we'll recognize you as we can throughout the time together. But I don't want to take a second more. I want to get right to Bob Berg. If you want to be a go-getter and a go-giver, this is the show for you. And if you don't know what that means, we're going to unpack that for you. He has written countless books now. I can't keep up with him, but every one of them just goes to, you know, 975,000 million copies. So, uh, you know, you can find them everywhere. And I actually was sharing with Bob in the green room before we got on that uh, someone told me they hadn't read uh, The Go-Giver. And I speculated they may have been the last person on the planet who is not. Maybe, maybe you're the last person in the planet who has not read this book, but hopefully after our time together with Bob Berg, you will you will remedy that uh, because it's one of those must-read books. You know, it's like good to great. You kind of have to have read if you're a business person. Uh, you know, you have to you have to read certain books, I think, in the course of your business life just to really appreciate not just a, a concept but an absolute movement. A book that has the potential to transform the way you think about business and, in this case, about life. I can't wait to share with you. So here he is, Bob Berg. All the way down from South Florida, I had to find a Florida boy to talk to today. Yeah, good to see yeah. you, Bob. Yeah, I, what a first, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. I appreciate we hearing you know one of my heroes talk that way about me. What a what a great thrill. So thank uh, you. I don't know the hero part, but I do know this: we've shared the stage together, and you're not somebody I want to follow. So we'll just leave oh, it. At oh that. well, I don't uh, know. <laughs> well, let's talk about you coming into the go-giver because I don't know that story. I know kind of Bob Berg changes the way we think about business and profit and value. Uh, I don't necessarily know the Bob Berg before all of that happened. So please share away. Well, starting in my my early adulthood, I was uh, like you. I was actually a radio broadcaster. Unlike you, I wasn't particularly good at it, right? So I wasn't going to go real far there. I actually ended up being on TV in a uh, uh, a very very small ABC affiliate in uh, the Midwestern United States. I was the late night news guy, uh, but again, I I certainly was not a journalist. And since there were no game show hosting jobs to be done, which I probably would have been a, a better fit for, uh, I found myself quickly graduating into sales. And the challenge was that I knew nothing about sales. I had never had any training, formal or, or informal. So I, I floundered for the first few months. Um Eventually, I, I stopped into a bookstore and uh, was looking for something. I wasn't exactly sure what, but I came across a couple of books on sales. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but this is about 40 years ago. And back then, that just wasn't as big a thing as, as it is, is now. So the two books, one was by Zig Ziglar, one was by, two, by uh, Tom Hopkins, so two of the real icons in the, the sales uh, space, and I got their books and I, I like to say, I, I took them home and I like to say I didn't read them. I devoured them. So what I would do is every night after uh, work, I would just, you know, to the wee hours of the morning, I would read and study and practice and highlight and underline and dog ear and just keep within a few weeks, my sales really began to, to do well. And this was encouraging to me because what it said is if you have a methodology, if you have a way of doing something, then you can pretty much accomplish anything within reason. So, you know, seek out, find the system. 
you know, to this day, I personally, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability, right? If by doing A, you'll get the desired results with B, you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A and you'll get the desired results with B. Of course, you know about uh, about this. You And so- well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you because what's fascinating to me is that the, this, the process you're describing of your transformation from a not so good salesperson to a uh, person who now can teach almost anybody how to sell more by virtue of being a go-giver, is that you follow the same sort of sequence of self-improvement steps that I think you preach a lot around awareness and desire and having a system. And if I remember correctly, it's action and maybe building on your, your successes. Small successes. Uh, so yeah, so can you just, so, so you have this personal experience and then you call that out somewhere over the course of time? Yeah, you know, one of the things, there, there are some people who are really great creators. I mean, they can kind of start from, from almost nothing, from the germ of an idea, and really build upon it. That's not me, okay? With me, I, I, I like to say I've never had an original thought in my life. But what I've been really pretty good at, I think, is learning ideas that have been taught by others and, you know, following that system, but then sort of putting my own spin to it and my own kind of processes to that already existing system. And really that's, that's what I did. Um, and, you know, and, and from there, it was really a matter of, you know, I continued to study sales. I really got into personal development and, and so forth. And I, I just always had a lot of fun with it. I just loved, once I knew how to do it, I loved it. And it was fun to start teaching it to others. You know, there's an infomercial out there on some sales technique, and it starts with some line like 80% of all salespeople have never read a book on sales, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, you know, I just hear it on the radio every once in a while. And I, it may not be as traumatic a problem as they put it in position for the infomercial, but I bet that the lifelong learner dimension of that, that open-mindedness, that seeking knowledge was really exciting. And quite frankly, when I listen to you talk about it, I, I come to appreciate that we don't really have to all be original thinkers. Most of the great ideas are out there. Right. It's being what and what you are, I think, remarkably so, is a great curator okay. of information and then and reductionist, right? Like so there's a lot of information out there. Not only do you have to curate what's relevant, but how do you reduce it to actionable steps? And so for those of you who don't know his work, I would certainly go to bird.com and you know, immediately following Thank this you. live stream and, and see some of that. Because in your vlogs, for example, it's not uncommon for you to be sharing information you've culled from some great book that you've recently read or reread oh, yeah. or was written in 1920. I mean, those right. are the options I get with you. Oh, so, those are, you know, those are some of my favorites. I'll tell you just, just one of my favorites. And, and please pardon me for turning my back to you for a moment. I didn't know I was going to be reaching for this book. But this one's one of my all-time favorites. It's called Peace, Power, and Plenty. And it was written by Orson Sweat Marden uh, back in 1900. Uh, oh, Orson! Uh, Orson, buddy! Yeah, good old I've never heard of the dude, so... But I, <laughs> Uh, this was in 1900. He is actually known by many as the founder of the personal development movement. He was the founder of Success Magazine way back then. And, it, you know, 
and I, I'm trying to think, Danny Cox, and I don't know if you remember Danny. He was one of the, the it was from Tustin, California, uh, Air Force veteran. He was one of the real old time speakers up there. Just a great, great guy. He's the one who turned me on to Orison Sweat Martin. And, uh, and of course, Danny has more wisdom in his little finger than I have in my, my entire body. So if he tells me to read a book, I, I'm going to read the book. Just it's beautiful. And when you think about it, peace, you know, inner peace. Uh, which is what we strive for, power, not over others, power over ourselves to be able to control our own emotions. And then plenty when we're talking about prosperity and abundance. And it's just, you know, it's such a great book. And I, I often use uh, yellow sticky notes, but not as many quite, but it, it's a original edition book. I couldn't, I just couldn't bear to write in it. So I just put all the notes right on the stickies and said exactly where the line was. So I obsessed a little bit over this one, but. So every week on your video, or whenever you put your video blogs out, your frequency, there's, you're always seated, seated with your coffee cup and all those books behind. And I think it's such a symbol of not only the value of caffeine, but the incredible value of a bookshelf, like just really having a full bookshelf and a full mind of ideas that other greats have created over time. So I, I would, add that and that probably gets to some of that awareness desire thing that you talk about a lot um i don't want to side you know hijack our, our conversation here uh, around your process that got you there but uh let's let's kind of take it to your real breakthrough book i mean maybe we should let me just show this real quick and apparently i do have scratchy audio according to my producer so i'm going to change audio sources here in just a second but let's talk a little bit about this book which was the catalyst to the way in which everyone knows Bob Berg. So talk about what this book was. I'll be quiet for a moment and change audio and it'll be great. <laughs> so when I when I first began speaking, I had, I had spoken, I guess, for about maybe three or four years and it started to build up a, a, a bit of a successful business. And, and really this book was written for utilitarian purposes. I was at a National Speakers Association meeting and a couple of the veteran speakers said, Berg, you really need to write a book. It's gonna you know, help position you and uh, higher fees and more marketable and so forth and so on, which seemed like a good idea. And so really this book was, was the system that I put together for creating an endless referrals business. And of course, based on so much wisdom that I, that I learned from others, it was really the how to with the basic premise being and running throughout the book, the thread running throughout the book was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. So everything about this book was a step-by-step -step methodology on how to, to build these relationships, even for that person, for that salesperson or, or entrepreneur who maybe they knew they had a wonderful product or service and that it brought great value to people, but they didn't feel comfortable with the process of going out into their community and creating and developing relationships. And this book was simply how to do that. Well, it had such great content. I hope my audio is better, but um, it had such great content that it, propelled you into what was a phenomena for a while. I mean, parable books were really big for a while. Yeah. And then they shrunk in terms of, you had to have a really good parable book because I think what happened was so many people tried to do parable books who had no appreciation. They had a, either no content or no ability to translate that content into a parable. You know, I came in on the heels of a great parable book called Fish 
which enabled me to write more of the content and win fish fly with the owner of that market. Right. Uh, so I know how incredible a parable book can be. It was a pathway for, for my books in my career. For you, the parable book really sprung you onto a different trajectory. Can you talk a little bit about the parable book? I think to, if you, if you only had one book to read this year, this is, and you haven't read it, this is the parable book that you would want to read. So there right. it is. Uh, so so talk about it. Talk a little bit about how you took some of the things that were in more and more curated and academic, if you will. It was still a how-to book uh, in the endless referrals and turn it into the go-giver. Yeah. So, so since the time I had written endless referrals, you know, I'd always read a lot of parables. I, I from the time I first got into sales from Ogmandino's greatest salesman in the world to uh, uh, back in the late seventies, early eighties, was it when doctors uh, Blanchard and Johnson wrote the one minute series of books through, you know, so many, and there's so many great, I don't even want to mention them because I'll leave someone out who I don't want to, but I always thought, you know, Parables are so fantastic because in a very short period of time, you can really connect on an emotional level. I think we all know stories tend to connect with people uh, uh, a lot more powerfully than how-to books. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take that basic premise of endless referrals, the know, like, and trust, and put that into a, a parable? So in coming up with a title, it was very easy. I said, what is the 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 main essence what's the essence of a person who's able to develop those know like and trust relationships both quickly and sustainably and the answer is they're always giving they're focused on giving value immense value to others so go giver was you know uh easy it's kind of a playoff on the term the go getter although and you you uh kind of mentioned this a little you alluded it to her earlier and it's an important point a, a go-giver is not the opposite of a go-getter. We love go-getters because go-getters take action. They get things done. And, you know, we're all business people. And we know that you can have the, the best thoughts, nicest ideas, greatest of intent. But unless action put into the mix, nothing's going to happen. So, no, we want people to be go-getters, people who are action takers, and go-givers, people who are absolutely laser focused on creating exceptional value for others. So be a go-getter and a go-giver, just not a go-taker, right? That's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the person process situation. But anyway, so coming up with the title. Now, the next step was to, you know, to contact my great friend, John David Mann, who we had never actually met in person at that time. He was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write a monthly column for. And John at that time wasn't well known. Uh, now he's sort of the, after the go-giver, he sort of became the co-author and or ghostwriter of choice for every publisher and agent who had a celebrity or a, uh, you know, an athlete or, or somewhat business person who they needed to have write the book. He's so brilliant. But Back then, he was only known in his niche as a brilliant, brilliant writer. Well, fortunately, I knew who he was. And so I, I asked him about this idea that I had and so forth. Well, he and his back then fiance, now now lovely wife, Anna, they were visiting uh, her mom on your side of the state uh, over in the Tampa area. And they actually took a, a three-hour ride over. And we had dinner. We had about a three-hour dinner, a four-hour ride over, three-hour dinner to discuss the book and what we would do. Now, he was you know, already very busy, and they even took a few weeks to discuss. And finally, one day he called me and he said, you know, Anna and I have been discussing this. And we think we've got something here. So 
Now, don't get me wrong. We go, we went through a year of rejections, 25 different rejections, and some of them saying exactly what you said. Who needs another parable? Or, you know, parables aren't real. <laughs> so, so we did a, few, a little course correcting and, and took some advice, and, and we re, re-geared. And a year later, we found the perfect par- uh, publishing partner, uh, portfolio, a, a, a imprint, business imprint of um, uh, Penguin Random House, and like like most things, when it's supposed to happen, it does. And- well, and the, and the beauty of the story, I mean, it sounds like a three-hour tour on the USS Minnow because you've been <laughs> stranded together on this incredibly successful island uh, of writing books about ever since. So let me just kind of make sure that people see some of the other iterations because. Oops, they don't want to see me. They want to see you and the other iterations. So the other iterations <laughs> look like this. I mean, so I don't I don't have them in, in any sequence. Uh, so forgive me that these may not follow any of the logical sequence, but it's the extrapolation of the principles of a go-giver and applied to what does that really mean to you if you're a leader? Mm-hmm. If you have leadership responsibilities, whether it's with a title or without a title, if you actually are a leader of people. Or if we want to iterate on it, what does it mean to be an influencer? Uh, and let's iterate on how do you actually, you know, sell more things if you adopt this approach? Um, and then there are, you know, there's one that doesn't have anything to do with it. And I don't know what the heck you were thinking on that one or that, oops, that one. Uh, you know, it seems like you, you have a thing going. Now, the success formula, I'm not even sure if that predated uh, go-giver. So tell yeah. me about why these books do not say go-giver somewhere on their titles. Well, Adversaries into Allies, which is, by the way, of all the books I've ever written myself, because other other than the go-giver books with John, um, and of course, he's, you know, he's the main writer and storyteller and lead writer, but all my other books have been solo efforts. And um, of all my books, Adversaries into Allies is my personal favorite. It's sort of the book I, I felt I was put on earth to write. And it's really about people's skills. You know, there's an old saying from the sages, who is a mighty person? And the answer is that person who is um, strong enough to control their own emotions and make of an enemy or of a potential enemy a friend. And I'm a big believer that people skills, you know, the ability to really deal effectively with people, to to get the results you want when dealing with others in a way that helps them feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. That's really the difference maker between those people who have some great skill sets and do a fantastic job and they, they achieve some real good success, and that person who's able to take that success to really stratospheric levels and so that you use the word stratospheric a lot i mean i I track your work and you you talk about hugging your haters and you know there's a lot of these big (laughs) concepts out there around empathy what i love about it there's several there's two things about you that i think people should know right you'll find out all you need to know about him in his books in many ways it just (laughs) jumps out but you are not apologetic about about free enterprise you don't say that we should be careful not to make money out of this compassionate view of the world you in fact think compassion is a methodology to get to achieving everything and you know the free enterprise system has a great scorecard of profitability that's one thing at least that's what i take oh very yeah very much let, let me make sure that that I'm, I'm not underestimating that. I also think that you are somebody who I think gets the, the alignment between empathy and accountability when so many people get very into empathy without results, right? So it's like this compassion that goes nowhere. 
Um, and it's not manipulative. I guess that would be my my build on there. It's, Thank you. You know, all Appreciate of these things are skill set based, not let's figure out how to slimy influence people. What's your thoughts about about the challenges of both pursuing profit and doing so in a way that you use skills with some authenticity and integrity? Well, yeah, it's a great question. And it's a great point to bring up. One one reason why I'm very much a, a free market a, um, advocate is, and I, I think it's something that unfortunately in our country today, um, many people don't really understand. And it's, it's, really, it's, it's really too bad. Um, a free market simply means that no one is forced to do business with anyone else. Okay, but they do so on their own volition. You know, I often say when I when I'd speak at sales conferences, the first thing I'd say is, you know, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not <laughs> going to right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money, and they're not even going to buy from you because you're a nice person. Um, they're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And again, in a free market environment, where again, no one's forced to buy from anyone else. That's the only reason why they should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. Now, this is great. Or, or just to continue, just and I'll let you build on that, but, but they'll also buy from you over someone else because your value is greater than the value proposition of someone. Absolutely. Else. That's where the all things being equal comes in and the relation because that trust right because they know you have your best in their their best interest at heart Abs absolutely and so what this means is that it that it's it's incumbent upon the salesperson to absolutely take their focus off their own needs which the buyer doesn't care about and place it on the needs of the customer um, you know, what is selling when you think about it by definition, selling is simply discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires and helping them to get it. And you can only do that through focusing. Now, here's what I was saying. No, wait, let me, let me, I'm going to interrupt you because, uh, you could go into a million different directions and it'd all be fabulous, but I don't want to miss what you just said. Right. I think that, and, and in, therein is what you get with Bob Burke, right? You take a concept like selling, which people have written about from time immemorial uh, and made it into the most complex things possible. And that means <laughs> like a 57 step component to sales, right? And in the end, it really is this discovery element and it is the ability to position what you have as a right solution for the discovered need. And, and that's need, wants, desire, stated and unstated, comes in a lot of different forms. But I just love that it doesn't have to be rocket science bill so you can go on i'm sorry i just yeah and, and by the way you my know, fanboy it, moment you know that no that's quite all right and it's funny that you say that because one of my old heroes his name was harry brown and harry used to say the secret of selling you know people say is there a secret of selling he'd say yeah the secret of selling and it doesn't need to be a secret simply find out what people want and help them get it <laughs> now, yeah. now our yeah. product or service isn't always the right thing for that person and when that's the case then that doesn't happen but assuming it is yeah you make it very very simple it's all about them and how it's going to serve their needs um, all right so that gets into this whole thing i gotta go right here i gotta because okay. we're gonna get get people so confused this is the go-giver <laughs> big five like the drivers here so let's take them one at a time just so people get a little snippet of this and they can dive deeper inside of the book or the next book or become certified as the speaker of yours or there's a million ways in which they can interface and benefit from you so let's go through them where would you like to start so create yeah create value is based on the the um first law 
which is the law of value, which says your true worth in the business sense, of course, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear this, it sounds a little counterintuitive, right? Give more in value than I take in payment. I mean, uh, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. Well, of course, we simply need to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's uh, a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is that relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their money for it and feel great about it while you make a very healthy profit? Uh, a, a very quick example to use is the the accountant you hire to do your taxes who charges you a thousand dollars, right? It, uh, that's that's her her fee, literally her price, a thousand dollars. But what value does she provide you in exchange? Well, through through her her experience, through her knowledge, through her getting to know you and what you're looking to accomplish, learning about your business, she's able to save you five thousand dollars in taxes. She saves you countless hours of time. She she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price. She gave you more in value uh, than she took in payments. You feel wonderful about it. And she made a very healthy profit because to her, it was worth exchanging her time, knowledge, energy, what have you for a $1,000 fee. In fact, in any, and I go back to, again, one of my mentors, Harry Brown, about this. He said, in any free market-based exchange, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. I was just doing an interview earlier today. Somebody was talking to me, and I think I threw in from the Ritz-Carlton, we were talking about just that optimal position of being slightly overvalued when you're the consumer, that perception of feeling like they did a little bit more for me than I deserve. I mean, if it gets to a point where you create so much value for somebody else and you get so little back, I think the person who's dealing business with you thinks, what an idiot. They're not going to be in business for very long. Right. They can, they're not going to run this operation for tomorrow. I, I'll take what I can today, but I won't necessarily expect right. them to, to serve me into the future. So there is that, you know, you can't, maybe it's Jim Collins, don't take the hit under the waterline. I mean, you can't give so much value that it sinks your battleship. And Right. There's and nothing self-sacrificial about it. Yeah. And then on the other side, though, I mean, so many people are into it for them. And I think that's where this is hit home. Like if you start by looking at your wallet before you start serving or the quota or whatever example you give, it doesn't really position you well to be in the right mind space to generate value. You're thinking about value for yourself. All right. Uh, let's go to touch lives because I, I love this one. This is right. like one of the, I mean, create value is like an implicit truth of business and right. some people get caught lost in it, but Touching lives is a big, hairy deal to me. Yeah. Now, so now we take it to that next level, right? Uh, because this is touch lives is about the law of compensation. And the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people's lives you touch, right? Uh, how, how many people you serve. 
and how well you serve them. So for example, our accountant in the, the previous example, your accountant did a great job of giving you more in value than she took in payment. So the chances are you feel great about her. You would do business with her again. You'd probably refer her to others. Well, her other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will grow and grow. Nicole Martin, the CEO in the story and the go-giver told Joe, the protege, that law number one, the law of value represents your potential income. But law number two, how many lives you impact with that value, that equals your actual income. Well, I, I'm trying to think of who wrote The Leadership Revolution, but what I always liked about the book was this implication that we need to create leaders who create leaders. There's this kind of an Amway pyramid. Was that Orrin Woodward, maybe? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, they're uh, wonderful writers and, wow, and, and great and, leaders, by the way. And what, I, what I loved about it was this, this concept of like create a revolution where leaders create leaders. And, and it's the same thing about customers, right? Create a business where you touch the lives of your customers so much that they create customers for you and that that's an exponential impact of your value contribution. Uh, that's such a great point. Exactly. You know, it's the restaurant I go to on Saturday mornings that they're just, you know, the food's great, but that's baseline. It should be great. But it's the way they make you feel when you come in. I mean, it's just such a wonderful environment that the leadership there has created among the employees, among the, the, the customers. And, you know, you just want to tell everybody about it. And you say, hey, have you been to Juno Beach Cafe? Have you ever been to Juno Beach Cafe? I'm a personal walking ambassador. And so are a lot of people, which is why, whether it's season or not season, and you're a Floridian, so you know how season can affect a business, right? Or a restaurant, season or out of season, on Saturday and Sunday mornings, they are packed, lines out the door. I'd love to. I'd love to hear from some folks who uh, can jump in the chat and just let me know where who's created value so much for you that you want to touch lives of people you know to extend that value out as a multiplier. So let's go there for a second. Please drop that in the chat if you'd like. Let's go to Build Networks. So um, in my new book, Stronger Through Adversity, I quote John Donne in uh, "No Man Is an Island" thing. Uh, I've now gender neutralized it to say no person is an island. John was in a different era, apparently. Right. Um, so, but but the point is we really, none of us have gotten here. I mean, you got here on the shoulders of Zig Ziglar and, and you know, whoever that guy was that I wrote the note down, but uh, you know, I'll watch it playback, the guy from 1900. I mean, we've all gotten here <laughs> from somebody else's path, right? Mm -hmm. And we also need to look peripherally can you talk a little bit about building networks and its relevance to you and to being a go-giver? Yeah, so build networks um, comes under the law, uh, the law of influence. And the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first, which again, sounds counterintuitive on the face of it, until you realize that the greatest leaders, top influencers, the highest money earning salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always thinking about the other person. They're looking out for the interests of the other. Now, let me just qualify something, if I may. And you, again, you alluded to this earlier uh, regarding Jim Collins' book. Um, when we talk about uh, placing other people's interests first, we do not mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. 
It simply has Joe, again, the protege in the story learned from several of the mentors. And as we talked about earlier, the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, here's the thing. There's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by genuinely moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story told Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. And, and I, I think that, the, you know, when I was in graduate school, I was a, a mentor of mine, a professor of mine, was a good friend of Bob Cialdini's, and Bob was on sabbatical at the time, and he was working on the book Influence, which kind of dates me. I'm pretty old. Oh, wonderful. Um, wonderful. And, one you know, I think that this persuasion, by the way, was amazing by Dr. Chaldean. Yeah, he's just he's he's in his own planet there. Yeah, he, uh, is. But, he really is. But but the key is you can translate that stuff because it can get very intellectual, right? I mean, and it can get very manipulative and very mercenary. Um, and I think the beauty of this for me, the way I always take the build network, I mean, I take the foundational importance of of focusing on others. But I also focus on the reality that if I don't bring others into my life, if I just try to lock in uh, and make this be about me, not only is it a, a function of my service of them, but it's a disservice of me. Do, do you get where I'm going with that? I mean, I, I, sure. I totally understand the otherness of it. I just if I don't employ others into my life, I think I'm less oh, sure. Because remember, again, and this is where the law of authenticity comes in, right? Which is the next law, which is about being congruent with your values. And this is the key, okay? You're, you know, be real, right? As it says, be yourself. In the in the story, Deborah Davenport uh, shared that um, uh, a lesson she learned in her sales career, which was that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, and yes, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they are all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, okay, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, People feel good about you. Uh, people feel safe with you. Uh, they know who they're getting. They, you know, they know you. They love you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so much of this works because you're staying congruent with your with your personal values. Yeah, it's interesting as we as we were talking today. I just realized how many other authors we've referenced in our conversations today, yeah. and I, and I do think that you know for me it's been books that have changed my life. It's obviously uh, true for you as well, and and you know there's a lot of books on being authentic. You know, the Brene Brown books in particular that have had great influence on me. Am I really any different in a sales role than I am with you right now? Am I different with you right now than I'm going to be when I exit the room and, and talk to a family member? You know, there's probably shades of variation of ourselves, but the core of being real, you know, and if we're not real right now and we're just hot there, it's time for us to do our thing. I mean, I think people see the plastique and the I don't know. I just like being hanging out with people who are real. Yeah. People I can imagine having coffee with. 
No, it's true. And, and by the way, another guy and uh, Brene Brown's works are wonderful. Uh, another one who's written some great books regarding authenticity and showing up as such a, a guy named Mike Robbins out of uh, California has also written some excellent books uh, in that regard. All right. We've gotten us to the home stretch here. We got we just got to stay open. To yeah. The home well, How about that? Been... Let's stay open and see what comes up. Yeah. This uh, is it's a final key to the go. It is. It is. And it's really, you know, if if the law of value is the foundational principle, the law of receptivity or staying open is really the one that brings it home and, and completes it. The law of receptivity simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this means nothing more than understanding that, yes, you breathe out, but you also have to breathe in right? You can't do one or the other. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving, despite what the world around us so often tells us with its total negative, the, the world around us does not give us mixed messages about money, about prosperity, about business. It gives us horribly negative messages, okay? Despite those, we need to understand that giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. And I have a lot of conflict in the world around duality of everything. It's like it's either or when there's so many of these things that coexist. Treacherous dichotomy or the false dilemma. Yeah, and and, and it's wonderful. It creates, you know, us and them and and there's some real power power in trying to get people on the us side of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but really, truly, these two gifts that we give, and you call them laws. I think that you know the the focus on others and the and the ability to be open to knowledge are, I think, gifts of the universe that we have. And these these laws or truths are captured. And I think the other beauty of it is you keep it down to a simple, manageable set of rules. <laughs> they integrate well with each other. You can identify these behaviors. You certify people as uh, speakers in the in the go-giver approach, yep. uh, which really tees me up to all you can ever do in these uh, live streams is give people a chance to have access to you in a way they might not have. And I'm so grateful that you took that time. I think it's enough to touch the iceberg of, of somebody that maybe people haven't thought of and all of your fans, they're just being validated by you know hearing the message again. So there's many benefits, but as you think forward and you, you think about where you're heading or where you want people to join you on your journey. What's what's up ahead for Bob Berg? Yeah, my, my brilliant business partner, Kathy Tejanel, uh, who is really the driving force be, behind the company, um, we put together some resources now, especially because now I'm not going out to speak anymore. Even after COVID, I'm not traveling to speak at conferences anymore. So all my convention speaking is going to be simply from right here. So all my keynotes will be virtual. So that part of my life, the traveling part is, is, is over. Um, but we have, you know, we have some online courses. We have one called Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way. We have our, our licensee program, Certified Go-Giver Speakers. Um, but we're, we're going to be opening up a new thing in a couple of weeks, which, oh, I'm just so, so excited about. And that is the Go-Giver Success Alliance Community membership site. So that's something that I just, ah, so fired up about. Okay. I was trying to capture that, uh, 
on a banner, but I didn't do it in time. So I got Go-Giver Success Alliance community. Is that it? Yeah, the, yeah, the okay. Go-Giver Success Alliance. Perfect. And they're going to find out all about that, though, if they go to Bob. Bob Ber yeah, Ber if they go to Berg.com, and especially if they subscribe to our, you know, to our site, our information, we'll, um, we'll notify people when we're ready to uh, start accepting membership. Great, because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to type it fast enough. <laughs> That's okay. All right. With that said, it's time for lightning round. I have warned you. You have been warned. Uh, we got Always a little minutes. nervous for these, but I'll do my best. Yeah, well, I'm, you should be. You should have studied. <laughs> Did you not study? Oh, oh, no. I thought you were open. I thought you were an open guy. All right, here we go. Receiving. Are we ready? Yeah. Fury Friends Adoption and Clinic. Yeah. There you go. Just react to it. Um, well, let's see my, my favorite, uh, charity, if you will, um, they do a wonderful job here in Jupiter, Florida of rescuing and then caring for, taking care of, adopting all sorts of animals in this, in this area. And the staff and team members and volunteers there are absolutely just so heart driven. They love those wonderful animals. And I'm so proud of all of them. As somebody who's followed you for a while, not stalked you, you know, that there can be a little confusing, but somebody who's followed you for a while. Your commitment to animal rights has been just legendary and it's been super consistent. It's not been like fair weather. You've been there on the side of animals for a long time. So thank you so much. Congratulations to you. Well, we're talking about animals. Let's talk about aquatic animals and the Miami dolphins. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting over the last two years uh, with their new head coach, Brian Flores, you talk about leadership. And of course, you know, this is your forte much more than it is mine. And I mean, you could write a book about him and about this organization. Yeah, you have been writing blogs about him. That's why I thought I better find out what you're thinking here. He has absolutely created such a, from you know, from what I understand, I, I'm not, you know, that close to obviously firsthand, but from what I understand has created such a culture of family and rooting for each other and other focus and team, uh, just, just really amazing. And, you know, for the first time and, and, you know, they're sure their record, it's, it's come out in terms of their record and their improvement over the last couple of years, but you just get the feeling that this guy is going to create, ha has begun to create something very special in terms of a, of a culture. So let me, I'm going to give you this next name and it's only because I had never run into him. And then when I ran, you know, start following you, you really do a lot of reposting of his stuff. So here goes Randy Gage. Yeah, Randy is these days perhaps the I, I shouldn't say this because a lot of great people speak on prosperity. Uh, I think Randy's at the certainly at the very top. Okay, and and one of my but there's some great ones out there. But Randy's a guy who who really came from a a very difficult situation growing up. In fact, at 16, he found himself in jail after armed robbery. He was, you know, drugs. And I mean, this guy's been through it all. And he made a decision, really, and I think he was probably about 35 at the time, that he just didn't like his life. He needed to recreate himself. In fact, his latest book is about recreating yourself, which he's done a few times. But at that one point, he made a study of prosperity and applied the information and worked it. And this guy is a very, very prosperous guy, financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially. And you know what I'm saying? This guy is yeah. just really, uh, I, and I have so much respect and admiration for, for what he's done. So I, I think he's a, uh, he's just a, such a, a great example of prosperity. All right. Let's say we're in the admiration category and we have two minutes left. Mike and Myrna Berg. Oh, uh, 
my my parents. The best example that a, a, a kid could ever have of, you know, two parents who who loved each other, love their family, brought so much value to the lives of others. Uh, I, I couldn't have been more fortunate than to be born to them. I thank God every day. All right. Favorite story of either Robin Seltzer or Richburg. <laughs> uh, so Robin is my, uh, my sister. Richie's my brother. Um, favorite story. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much there's a, a story other than they got along great when we were kids. I was kind of miserable and I didn't get along with either of them. Uh, but you know, as we've gotten older, it's, it's, you know, a whole different type of relationship and it's, you know, it's a joy to, uh, to have them as, as siblings. I may not have said that when I was 15 years old. <laughs> You're probably not alone, uh, in the way people have experienced the transition. Their siblings got much nicer as they grew up. Yeah. They're so right. right. Uh, yeah. Like so, my parents got much like, smarter, you know? Yeah. Your parents, your parents <laughs> became more civil after teenagers too. Bob Berg's the name. Berg.com is the place to go. Go-Giver is a starting point, but if you go to the website, there's a, a million resources. Maybe you jump over Go-Giver and you go to Go-Giver for sales, if that's really what your current need state is, or you're in a leadership role. Uh, I'll leave it to you. I have I have led the horse to water. It is for, your, for you to drink. Uh, Bob, thanks for taking time today and being a part of the audience with us. Uh, and again, you can find out more about him at Berg.com. That is the transition point wherein I start sharing with the rest of y'all what's going to be coming up here very soon. Let me pop that up. Thanks, Bob. Good having you. Um, so in the weeks ahead, uh, we have one of my mentors, absolute positively a mentor of mine. Uh, and he's been, he's like the optimism guru of all time. So I am extremely excited to be able to share with you Terry Paulson. Uh, and literally I, early in my career, uh, reached out to Terry to be my mentor. He was a past president of the National Speakers Association. One of the greatest guys you'll ever, 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 ever meet. So I can't wait to share him with you. The next, uh, week on February 4th, we're going to have the space between us. And, um, I'll just, you know, I'll lay my card down on the table. I tend to engage uh, the Andy Stanley Church in Atlanta. And sh this particular author, Sarah Anderson, is on the staff there. Um, she's written this book. Her father ran for uh, president in a prior uh, Republican um, primary race. And she has experienced family tensions, community tensions between people who chose other politicians when their father was running for office and just the viciousness of all that dialogue. And, you know, as a, as a pastor uh, in the church that she, she's a, a spokesperson for, there's a lot of conflict that goes around spiritual topics. Um, and I couldn't imagine a more important topic in our time then how do we reduce the space between us? How do we get to a point where what I think isn't something I need you to think? How do I get to the point where what I think I can talk about with you and we can, we can disagree or we can find common ground, but I don't have to withhold what I think or only hang out with people who think like me. So that book was just amazing. And so I can't wait to share her with you, Sarah Anderson, on February the 4th to talk about the space between us. 
Um, the funny looking, funny, funny guy, funny looking in the sense that he's funny in what he does, uh, always trying to create play and humor. Uh, Brad Montgomery is someone I've worked with for a long time, a master stage magician. And he is an incredible facilitator, great humorist, powerful stage presence. Uh, but beyond all of the technique and the magic is a guy who thinks very deeply and changes people's lives with translating magical techniques, for example, into to life lessons. So uh, looking forward to having Brad Montgomery on. Personal Brand Clarity is a book written by Suzanne Tulian. It's one of a series of books that she's written. Suzanne is the person who's managed my brand. So when you see at the end of this, my trade dress logo uh, with the, you know, the inspiration heart thing that we do. Um, and I can story tell the story behind it and her evolution. She's been involved in many iterations of my brand trade dress. So I'm excited to introduce you to, to Suzanne, someone who I trust in my own brand and clearly encourage others to learn from in her book, her latest book about personal branding. She's done more business branding books in the past. And then on the bottom there is a lady with a guitar. What's with that? I don't normally have people with guitars on my show, but um, Tracy Grammer, I ran across her, her music uh, here traveling in Central Florida. I followed her, watched her do creative things like a song a week competition uh, that she was involved in. This is a very deep thinker. Uh, and a person who's amazingly talented musically and also very creative and innovative. I'm bringing her to our conversation so we can talk about innovation and how do you listen to your muses and how do you trust them and how do you put them out there and how do you test them and how do you deal with the editor? So that's the goal of that conversation. At the end of February, and got people lined up for March. It's just, uh, just such a, a gift to have this platform. So thanks for you who view it. And we'll be back doing more of the same. Bob Berg, or excuse me, Berg.com if you want to learn more about Bob. Uh, Berg, B-U-R-G.com for our guests today. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you along with my buddy Terry Paulson next week on the live stream.